to head to table it's a podcast we do we're two friends uh we get together and we invent a brand new tabletop rpg that you can play by yourself and we play test it out before your very ears uh, i'm tom rawson by the way and i am tom snowden hello hey tom uh what's new in your world uh yeah one rpg related bit of news is that i i've started with with our friends with our, our mutual friends they are a, a series of games that i like to call tom shots Oh, they're, co- yes. They're my Tom-based one-shots, and I've been... <laughs> uh, basically, the problem here is, is, and I think this is a common problem with RPG fans, I have bought far more RPG books than <laughs> I have actually played. Um, I seem to acquire systems at a fair clip, and then maybe read, like, bits of them, um, and, and you know, be like, oh, that's an interesting system. Uh, and then I just buy the next one without ever actually playing it. Um, so what I've decided to do is is actually play through each one of the games before I allow myself to buy a new one. <laughs> um, so, so to achieve that, I've been setting up a, a series of monthly one shots called uh, cleverly Tom shots uh, that I that I have been going through. And yeah, this this just this weekend just passed. I, uh, I did the first one, which was uh, uh, fifth edition Legend of the Five Rings, which was um quite a lot <laughs> the rules were yes quite i know a that lot. you've uh, you've made a, a whatsapp group for us to sort out uh, who's playing in these tom shots and uh, i asked in the group oh how how five rings went and the response i got from you was fantastic <laughs> let me just read it out here there was um there can't be any other rpg designers as sadistic as these guys let me read out a section for you Select a skill you wish to use in an emotional stance called a ring that you wish to use it with. Roll ring stat plus skill stat number of ring and skill specific dice, then check if there are explosive successes. Roll another dice of the same type for each explosive success. Keep the relevant ring's number of dice from the original pool. All exploded dice can be kept or dropped as you see fit. Sum up the successes, opportunities and strife from the final roll. And then, like, it just goes on and on. And it sounds like it sounds like what someone's writes when they're trying to like lampoon the game. Yeah, I mean that that was the, that was something of a, a paraphrasing of the of the rules. But yeah, that is that is actually an abbreviated version of the the core rolling mechanics of uh, of L five R. But it was a it was an enlightening process nonetheless. And there are some really cool ideas in it. But uh, but it was. It, a lot of time was taken up. And I think this would probably be a common experience to someone coming to the game new. Yeah, it was there was a lot of time was taken up resolving these these intense dice rolls. Right, right. Well, Tom, uh I've got a game nomicon for you. Ooh. Uh so if you could help explain a term or um a, a piece of jargon that people might hear in our podcast, could you explain to people what Calvin Ball is or means? Ooh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I know our podcast has been hmm, accused of, of being somewhat Calvin Ball, and, and we are <laughs> a little bit in, in that way. So um, so Calvin Ball comes from, from Calvin and Hobbes, a hit comic book strip. It's been around for, for a great many years, uh, in which a young boy and his imaginary friend go on various romps together. In one of the strips, they 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 come up with this game called Calvin Ball, 
Um, and the, the thing with Calvin Ball is that the only permanent rule in Calvin Ball is that you can't play it the same way twice. Uh, <laughs> and it's like it's like you come up with these these rules just on the fly and steadily make this game. And in in the strip, like you see the uh you know, the the characters have various like balls and uh, and badminton shuttlecocks and croquet mallets and all these things around as they're playing this game that's uh, just an amalgamation of all these different games together. So in, in RPGs, it tends to mean making up kind of rules or parts of rules on the fly and, and sort of not necessarily being all that consistent with rules. And in some ways, I think being a bit Calvin Ball with things can be quite fun, but being a bit too Calvin Ball with things can lead to a, a sense of confusion, I think. Yeah, certainly. And you keep sort of shifting the goalposts, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Marvellous. Well, Tom, let's see if we can uh, create a game that is uh, consistent with its rules and easy to understand <laughs> and great fun to play as well. Well, that'll uh, be a first time. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my idea, Tom. Here's a brief, a theme I want us to work on. I'd like to make a game where players play as ghosts, as spirits Ooh. of those that have passed on and that have died. And your objective in the game, the, the narrative objective, is to resolve your worldly business. So in a lot of media where ghosts mm. appear, it's often said that souls that stay on to be ghosts are those that can't move on because you know there's something left unfinished or you know there's some business left on earth and i think perhaps yeah the objective here playing as the ghost is to resolve whatever that is and successfully be able to move on to the afterlife what do you think of that yeah man that sounds great yeah that sounds really cool so to make it fun we need to think of some fun mechanics to play as ghosts yeah it, like it could be a challenge because the whole point in with about being a ghost right is it can be somehow could be often be difficult to to make your will manifest and to you know achieve what you want which might be very counter intuitive for a tabletop rpg uh, a genre of games where essentially it's all about the fun of having your will enacted in this imaginary world yeah it kind of takes the the power out of a power fantasy exactly uh... yeah like Whereas in many other games, it'd be like, I roll to backflip out the window and land and, and catch my blade and say, Heh, catch you later. And in this game, maybe it's more like, I roll to blow out the candle? No, I failed. <laughs> okay. So we need to make it fun still. And maybe it should be, uh, you know, a bit, a bit silly as a result of that to make sure that the fun is still there. Um, and I've got to say, Tom, I've got nothing coming in. I, that, that's literally all I have. So well, I'm a, hoping that you'll have some great ideas for me. It's a good starting point. I like it. So I guess I guess one of the first questions is, what type of ghosts are we, and how can we interact with the world? As, a, yeah. as like, what are, what are the limits of our of our power? Because I mean, media has a lot of different types of ghosts, right? Yeah, yeah. They're sort of the Ghostbusters, very corporeal physical like Ooh, mm. i'm a slightly see-through person ectoplasm uh, everywhere exactly yeah yeah that's one thing we need to agree on to start with can we actually manifest ourselves physically and like communicate with people right mm. maybe that's more interesting because i think maybe that does hand more power back to the player right it, it makes it more fun and easy to interact with the world but is that the most interesting part of ghost fiction? Because, I mean, at that point, it's like, why be a ghost? Because I, I think the fun in this game will be from using cool ghost powers to achieve your ends, right? Maybe we should have ghosts that can possess people. Definitely. I definitely agree with ghost possession. 
So maybe that's the way you, you manipulate the physical world. Maybe the only way you can physically manipulate something is by possessing another human, by possessing a human, you know? Right, right. Okay, yep. What other f- cool ghost powers are there other than, like, moving through walls, obviously? Yeah, uh, what's, the, what's the interesting part about, about ghosts? It's got to be just, like, the being able to have this real strange way of interacting with the world, right? Of essentially, like, making... So, like, when books fall off bookcases, right? The, I guess the idea still is that a ghost is pushing it off. Yeah, I guess the fear. I guess the thing that's interesting about ghosts is the idea of assigning sentience to like what might just be random acts. Yes, um, that's true. And maybe there's an aspect of fear in there as well. Like maybe there's an aspect of there's often these evil ghosts, right? Like I think a lot of what makes them interesting in the media is these beings with powers that aren't easily understood and that can like do mm. scary things and often like driven by these a lot of scary stories behind them. Well, I like the idea that they're that they're kind of like they have their own worldly objective, and maybe they're not like maybe they're not like purely malicious in the sense of like they they desire like an individual person to suffer. It's just that their objectives and the way they can achieve them are like kind of terrifying. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, like and like they're they're kind of alien in their their point of view. Like the whole world is different to the dead, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Let's think of an example then. So let's say you're, let's say then that like your uh, outstanding business, the, the thing you still need to accomplish on Earth is... An outstanding loan. Yeah. It's an outstanding <laughs> loan. Or perhaps it is to um, make someone find a memento that you've locked in an attic somewhere that you're hidden under a floorboard, yeah? Right. Okay, yep. Like on one hand, there's the difficulty, right? Either you're... A physical like Ghostbusters style manifestation where you can just be like, whoa, hey there, my daughter, look under the floorboard. <laughs> and that's kind of like the end of the game. Yeah. But then, and then the other one like is where it's about, yeah, these like subtle clues. But I, I don't think that's going to be fun is the issue. I, don't, I think people would get bored of essentially like trying to do these tiny things like edge towards what might be quite like a simple goal, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I think maybe it should, the idea is some of these narrative goals should be quite larger things like letting someone know that you forgave them or something or you you, maybe that narrative goal is too flawed like can we find a fun way to resolve that business i guess it depends on whether the business is a fun thing to do right that's it's all in what the quest is maybe maybe that's a good place for us to start maybe the best place for us to start is to try and come up with some way to generate a goal yeah yeah and maybe a way to do that is to randomly insert, like, maybe a way to do that is to have a table of words and we can place those into a sentence that forms, like, a an objective or something. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you know, the, the overall aim could be, like... To terrify someone. Perhaps all your, your only business left is you're so spiteful that you just want to use your ghostly powers to really just scare the shit out of someone. <laughs> i see i see to take revenge might well, be maybe maybe to, maybe to take a choice from maybe to take a choice from literature maybe it could be to uh to uh to make scrooge see the error of his ways oh that's good yeah oh maybe maybe they should all be this maybe the objective should be about about making maybe we should just fully go christmas <gasps> carol maybe yes, it should all yes, be I about think so Maybe it should all be about trying to trying to redirect someone's life course that's on a wrong path. Yes, I agree. Yeah, so you we're know, always teaching the the, yes. the business CEO that family's more important than money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this should always be some kind of Jacob Marley esque haunting. 
Yes, I like it. Yes. Um, and I guess, unlike Jacob Marley, we will also be playing the role of past, present, and future. And maybe, maybe we just take that that whole that whole framework. Maybe we do like a, you get a way to set up a past like scene, a present yeah. scene, and a future scene. Uh, I think I think I think the place we need to start from because before we like construct the rules, I think we need to decide almost like what how the win condition operates first of all. Like, is it just gonna be a meter? Like you need to fill this meter of of realization, or is that too crude? Is it is it maybe a a, a, a probability role that just gets more and more likely the more you you interact, the more you try to convince them? Like maybe maybe there's like a ticking clock element, like with christmas carol as well like oh before this date before it's too late you need to convince them uh to you know change their ways or act differently at this certain date yes okay maybe the business mogul's about to crush a load of orphanages to make way for his (laughs) drug casino (laughs) where all bids are made in ketamine (laughs) oh god (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, that- yeah. So maybe like at the end of each day, maybe, you know, it's like seven days left or something. Maybe like at the end of each day, there's a role, maybe there's a pro- probability that they finally have their like, oh, I see the error. Maybe it's just successes versus failures. It's something like death saves, you know, it's like you have to reach a certain number of successes before you reach a certain number of failures in that, in those scenes. That makes sense. And do you think you get like one opportunity in each scene? So so I, I kind of am breaking it up into individual checks within a scene and the overall scene. Yep. So so let's say uh, a success on an individual check, uh, say, adds one or subtracts one. Mm-hmm. And then at the overall end of the scene, you also yep. work out whether that scene was a success or a failure. And that's like just up to the GM to decide yes. whether you've, like, you've done enough successes, ah, whether right, right. narratively that makes sense, whether he thinks that that was persuading to the person or not. Yeah. And if it was then that's like a plus three, say, or a minus three on success or failure. I see. Okay. And the overall aim is to reach a threshold of like, you know, I don't know, six or seven or something. I'd like to make one adjustment. I think what's most exciting about all these things is, you know, it's always like at the last minute. It's what, you know, that Christmas morning when they have the last twist. <laughs> and I reckon, let me just, I'm just going to throw up a mechanic that might work. Let's say it's a D12 and let's say, um, at the end of the, the time span, you roll a D12 and you have to get 12 or higher for them to to have a, you know, a revelation of you to succeed. But maybe all those positive points you've built up are sort of modifiers on that, pluses oh, on that, right? Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, so if after all my work I've got a plus 10, like I've got, a, I've got such a strong chance of it working. Yeah. Um, but even if you like, you hit 12 beforehand, like plus 12, like so you can be guaranteed, you might go so badly in the next scene that it actually pulls you back with some minuses still. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that works really well, yeah. Okay, let's lock in with that then, with how it works. Because I, I just love a climactic final roll, as it were. I guess my question is though, like, what is the mechanic other than just like a persuasion check, if you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, this is the tricky bit. Maybe then, can we think of a way of sort of classifying different appeals? Yeah. So as in the visions you give, like what you've, the visions you give, how is that trying to affect the individual? Are you trying to guilt them? Are you trying to sort of make them see, oh, that's a really good thing, like win them around? Are you trying yeah. to... Yeah, I like this. So like it might be like fields a... of appeal. Yeah, like what are they yeah. susceptible to? And maybe that's hidden from the player and they have to sort of try and work it out based on you know yeah. as, as they go absolutely so for example like one might be nostalgia 
um, like you know, an appeal based upon nostalgia. Nostalgia's good. Nostalgia's good. Yeah, I like that. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe let's think about this for a second. Maybe we should think about this more as compassion as the starting point, because the nostalgia past might be. Uh, I got one. How about appealing to fear? Essentially, you're <laughs> you're just like. Yeah, fear is so compassion intimidating someone into doing something. Compassion, fear. I think reason is another one as well, right? Like just like, just like showing them that it's kind of like logical or it's reasonable yes. to do this. Like, yes, that's very good. I know different goes different attempts to go. Don't you see? People could learn to love and teach their children through your example. And he's like, Nah, I don't get it. And you're like, Oh. Whoa! <laughs> oh shit! Do it. Oh god! I, I get it now. I see I'll it. Kill you with ghost magic! <laughs> oh fuck! That could uh, be good fun. And then how about the last one? Be ghost sexy times. Like you just yes. appear appear behind them on the pottery wheel. Appeal uh, to desire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he- hello hey i'm here to give you a give you a lesson <laughs> <laughs> and a massage simultaneously <laughs> oh very very droll so we got compassion reason fear yeah do we want any of these other ones desire is not necessary well but then mm. i guess that would kind of come under reason more though like look what you have to gain yeah that's true be that in wealth or my sexy ghost body (laughs) (laughs) and i guess yeah the other one is like appeal to like sense of self essentially or like appeal to like like someone's creed or like oh yeah like if this is what something that you swear by but is counter but i guess that might just be compassion again right maybe it's just those three well the, the the trick of the trick of like christmas carol is making scrooge realize that he's forgotten who he is right like i mean that's the that's the fundamental goal here is like the self-ideation point that he like he like starts to see like how he became what he was maybe for Um, like appeal to aspiration yeah yeah is aspiration the right word it's something really still yeah it's something like about appeal to like essentially it's like look you've messed up you haven't become what you really wanted to be like you've forgotten yeah what was so important to you like look this ain't you mate yeah Maybe it's called that. Look, <laughs> this ain't you, bud. <laughs> All right. Compassion, reason, fear. This ain't you, bud. <laughs> Those are our four. Okay. Okay, and maybe it is that each person that you're trying to make alter their ways has one that they're weak to and one that they're like resilient against. Yes. Okay. So what what style of, of checks should we do here? See, part of me wonders if part of the setup is in how well you actually materialise the visions. Like, I like that. I think it'd be quite fun if, as a ghost, you're trying to, like, set the stage, like, set in the orphanage, like, look at all these people that, you know, are, are desperate for your help, but accidentally you get it kind of wrong and they're all, like, terrifying snake people. Right, okay. Or, or like, you're like, look at this orphanage and it's just uh, the Padawans. Won't, yeah. won't you kill them all, Anakin? Yeah. I mean, oh shit. Let me show you a vision, Scrooge. He's like, this is just the, the BT advert from like four years ago. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, really can't get that out of my head. Yeah, okay. Okay, so Ma- there's like... Yeah, maybe, maybe the little checks along the way are... 
different things that you're creating. It's always scenes that you're creating, right? Maybe the checks are in bits that you want to add into the scene. So maybe like adding people, uh, locations, like all, diff- all different things require another check of your ghostly power. Right. Okay. And like you have to succeed on all of them to make it really effective. I quite like the idea of you're a ghost who's good at setting up locations, but like people, you're just terrible. Yeah, they Tom, always they always it. come out like just like a, <laughs> a, a pink balloon on top of like a broom handle. It's yeah. Like, look at look at your beautiful mother. Look at what you've done to her. <laughs> Tom, I've got it. It's literally as if you're like writing a play. So what you do when you set a scene, you say to the GM, you say, okay. I'm setting a scene that is an appeal to blank. Yeah? Right, and it's so one of these the it's is. one of these these four things. So like compassion, fear, reasonable uh, reason or this ain't, this you, ain't bud. you bud. Yeah. And for each one, there's like a check for like setting the scene. There's a check on how on like what people are there in the scene and how well are they actualized? Where is the scene taking place? How well is that realized? Uh maybe like the the sound of things? Yeah. Like maybe like a heartfelt message isn't quite the same everyone sounds like helium voicey yeah I'm, I'm trying to think like director again like so so i quite like the idea of like of like them attempting to resist in a certain way like so so if we come up with um if we come up with like if we come up with like um what's the word what's the way to put this so I quite like the idea of your of your uh, haunty uh, trying to resist in in some particular way, right? Like each of these each of these things. Uh, the idea is to get through the scene. You maybe have to make a handful of checks, uh, and on the fly you're attempting to to adjust to compensate for things that they they resist on, like axes that they resist on. But I haven't really got it in my head, like quite how how you would do this. Uh, see, in my head, I think it's. I think all the checks happen at first, and, and then the fun is in like essentially improving out these scenes based on how well the setup was. But what I what I would really like, though, you know, you you've designed this scene, uh, and it's a beautiful like scene of their of their childhood, rolling meadows, some kind of picnic scene or something. Um, and they're they're just like, yes, but I had terrible allergies. <laughs> <laughs> I hated everything about this picnic, and you're like. Yes, but remember the flowers weren't in bloom, and you're like desperately trying to like alter the, the like the memory or the scene. Oh, like at the to, at, at the time. Yes, like as they as they sort of go through the scenario to. Uh, right, right, right. I I gotta say, like, hit, hit, I want to paint a, a vision for you, people playing the game. That I thought was fun. Like, I'm not saying we stick. I'm just get, get an idea of what's in my head, and I thought it sounded really fun. Okay. The the current player, the ghost, says, "I am." setting up a scene that is an appeal to one of our four sort of agreed uh, appeal possibilities uh and they then say they then explain to the gm what the scene is going to be and what how they're trying to make it work essentially and i just thought it'd be so great they kind of essentially like, whoever else is at the table if there are other people it's almost like roles are divvied up and i just like did like everyone at the table acting out this silly scene and maybe the roles at the start means that you know if one of them fails the gm's like okay but all these people are accidentally very clearly like animatronics <laughs> yeah instead and then the idea is like you explain how scenes will go and then it's like action then everyone at the table is engaged this the gm is of course almost as like the inspector right they're the person you're trying to convince and um you know the the, the, the player is kind of like setting up and <laughs> just the idea of people around the table being like father why can we not eat <laughs> so how how about this how about this so we have we have for each scene we have we have say three stats right 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they are something like uh, people, location, and... I wonder if it's how pe- if you maybe split people into two instead. It's like how people look and how people act. Like maybe it's like perfect representations of people, but they're like acting is so wooden. Like, oh no, we will surely starve this night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we act out like a bit of that scene, and throughout the scene, you always get three checks to like course correct in one of these things. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the aim is to get them always above a certain number and that number is dependent upon um how vulnerable the person is to each of these stats um so for example like if you chose a compassion approach and the let's say the the character the the haunty is particularly hard-hearted then the dc to be might be or the the difficulty to be might be say a 15 on a d20 right um but you have to do that for each of the three things so location appearance of of actors actions of actors right yeah, you have to be at yeah. 15 on all of them um so at the start you might get all above 15 and then it's like well i can just take the next like, you know, i don't have to really worry about the next three checks like you can just sort of um you just sort of role play out those three checks uh and i guess at each point you can take you can either switch to the new role or or keep it as the previous role was right yes yeah uh, i like that you know, that sounds good yeah uh, yes, the other is you, you roll them initially as you set the scene and you want to get them all over 15 in this example. And if some of them are falling short of that, you can, is it you can try each one once or is it you can try just three times in total? So you could try three times. If only one is a fail, could you try three times at that aspect? Right. Okay. So bear with me. One, one thought I have is like, what about if at the start of a scene, so let's say we we have past, present and future as our three scenes. Mm-hmm. And in the past scene, you've gone for an attempt to appeal to fear uh, and some kind of imposing figure from the past that was deeply judgmental of the character, right? And you're, you're, you've got some like stern moral warning from the past about, about the, the path that the character took in yeah. life. Uh, and you're trying to remind them of one of the, this, this lesson from this past, this stark moral lesson from the past. And you have, uh, so, so at the start of the scene, you roll a d20 for, for the three scene-setting stats. So uh, person, person appearance, person action, and location. Yep. Uh, and let's say fear is something that they're relatively neutral on, so it might be sort of DC 10 to beat. <clears throat> and you pass, say, on one of the checks, you manage to get like just a flat d20 roll to start off with. Yeah. Uh, and so you get, let's say, an 18, a 9, and a, and a 6 uh-huh. as, your, as your roll. So you want to get all three of those above 10 over, over the course of this thing. Yeah. Now, let's say you have certain editing abilities, like stats to edit the visions. Yeah. Um, and you can edit any one of these three things with those, like, editing tools. Yep. Uh, and you roll, let's say, 1d4 plus your your stat in that in that ability yeah and you describe how you use that to modify ah to boost what's it. going on with Ooh, the, like what's going that. on with the scene mm. and and the, and the gm will sort of tell you whether that's like uh that's going to be effective to make the edit you need or not yeah so you think these edits are quite specific in some way that like i am super good at making tasty apple pies <laughs> and your location score is too low so you're just gonna fill it with <laughs> sweet smelling yes, apple yeah. pies from um 
Yeah. Or maybe in this orphanage scene, they're like, you create the most rotten looking apple pies. Yeah. I think I think it should be that. I think they should be sp- so specific that it's actually quite fun to, to like essentially try and argue how your use of that is boosting the stat. Okay. Okay. I think it'd be really funny to like try and essentially like create like the idea is you're trying to create this very like warming like touching christmas carol style narrative discovery through the use of like something so specific okay i like this i like this yeah. okay so, so so maybe maybe it should be something about your past life maybe it should be you get to choose three specific things about your past life <laughs> yeah yeah that you that you have like particular control or like or like power over and can yeah. insert into the scenes yeah Okay, yeah, I really like this. Okay, we've had a lot of ideas, so let me just try and summarise it now, because I think we're pretty much there. Okay. The objective of the game, you are a ghost, and you have to convince somebody to who is on a path to cause something bad to happen, and you have to make them see the error of their ways and change their judgement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in doing so, there will be, th- I think, three scenes we agreed? Absolutely, yeah. Use what Dickens gave us and have past, present, and future scenes. Okay, yeah, uh, fair regarding enough. The, regarding the person. So you have to make a past, present, and future scene. Uh, and depending on how well these scenes go, you're going to be getting points, basically, modifiers that you can add to a die roll at the end that decides if it worked or not. And based on what we've said so far, I think that's going to be a D10. And you have to roll a 10 or higher to succeed. Okay. Now, each person has uh, these these four... Uh, traits, I suppose, that you can appeal to. Um, reason, fear, compassion, and this ain't you, bud. <laughs> and I think, certainly, depending on if they're weak to it or strong to it, it changes what the DCs are for the checks in these visions. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? So I think at a baseline, it's probably a 15, should we say? Ooh, baseline's a 15. That wow. is too high, probably. I mean, I know, we are going to be changing it, though, right? Yeah, but you're maybe, only getting maybe three ten, chances to change it. Yeah. You've got three stats to change it in. Let's so. say ten then. Yeah, and then if they're susceptible to it, it can be five. And if they're resistant to it, it's 15. But I think the thing is, you don't actually know. You can only learn throughout the behaviour over time. I don't think the player themselves can ever know for sure yes. yeah, what yeah. the person is. Like They might realise, they're like, oh, I had all sixes on that and I succeeded. So that must be his weak one. Well, maybe you don't. maybe you don't tell them until the very end of the game whether they succeeded or not. On each of the, yes, on each of the yes, scenes? Yes, I agree, I agree. <laughs> Either way, so you then say, as the ghost, you, you start by starting one of the scenes. Uh, and you say, okay, this scene is going to be an appeal to, and you pick one of those four categories. You then describe to the GM what that scene is going to be and, and sort of how it's going to work on them, essentially. And you then roll a d20 for each of three elements of the vision and of the, of the scene. Uh, the location, uh, the people appearing in that location and the way that those people are acting almost like you know actors on a stage and how good the set is in some ways Uh, and you roll these and depending on how high or low they are that's going to like literally add to the narrative of of how it formulates i think yeah absolutely so you're gonna have three numbers on these dice in front of you and you want them all to be above the dc Uh, and you have three attempts to try and boost these numbers and boost these die rolls throughout the vision by using any of your very specific changes (laughs) changes <laughs> so let's say again like i rolled really low on how people act they're being very wooden and not very convincing but maybe i roll really high on haircuts 
<laughs> the people just aren't convincing. And then I roll instead. So these orphans, they're not crying, they're not convincing enough. He's not believing that these are really impoverished orphans. I roll and I explain, like I'm using my head and essentially whatever you roll, it's a D4 and you can add it to any of the any of those D20s. But it has yeah. to be like a reasonable, like, you know, but it, the other is it's yeah. meant to be fun, right? Like, how yeah, are you, you have using to explain to boost yeah. this? And the GM can choose to say, like, no, that's not enough. Yeah, you have to come up with a good enough thing that the GM will allow you to use one of these three things to uh, to change the to change the role in that uh, in that case. Exactly, yeah. And then at the end of the scene, I think for every success, you get a should it be a plus two for a success and a minus one for a fail, maybe? Uh, let's say plus one, minus one. Plus one, minus one. Okay, yeah, that's that's cool yeah. and brutal. Yeah, but we'll learn through playtest. Well, I quite like it because still, it still gives the, the risk, the chance at the very end. They're like, after this incredibly convincing, you know, like beautiful scene, Shakespearean acting all the way through. Yeah, Like yeah. the guy's just like, no, nah, I just fucking love money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that, thanks Kill for the that. orphans. <laughs> thanks for that vision, but uh, yep. So gonna... we, we can remove the orphans from the orphanage before we bulldoze it. No, no, no. <laughs> just load them up on ketamine and leave them in there. <laughs> Perfect. I appreciate that's probably a lot there, but I think Tom, that is our game. Shall we head to table? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Woo. Folks, we are back and we're ready to play our spooky ghost game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, we need a name for this game. Hmm. I mean, the really low-hanging fruit is some kind of pun on die, right? Ooh, Ghosts I didn't even thought of that. You roll yeah. a die. Is that too yeah. easy? You've made it sound too easy now. How if you about, just come up with, if you just come up with a really good one, like um, how about a good die to spook hard? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, that makes no reference to A Christmas Carol, which I guess I, I like. Yeah, we don't uh, want to pigeonhole ourselves as that Christmas Carol game. Although I quite like What the Dykins? What the Dykins is very good. <laughs> but I, unfortunately, I, just, I don't think it carries... An, like, it's a ghost game, not a Dickens no, game, right? it's true, it's true, it's That's true. That's a different... But let's actually use that title for another <laughs> game where we play as, like, <laughs> chimney sweeps and urchins. Okay, okay. Uh, die Humbug? <laughs> die Humbug's funny. But no, again, that's too Christmas carolly. Oh, sorry. Could we do some puns on Ghost in the Shell? That's so cyberpunky. That is true. Or Ghost in the Machine, or, go- or Ghost. These are all the ghost things that are nothing to do with. Call of Duty Ghosts. <laughs> You're literally choosing um, all the ghost media that's nothing to do with ghosts. Go- Ghostbusters? Well, that that's that is a thing. Um, how about die? I ain't afraid of no ghost. <gasps> die ain't afraid of no ghost is very funny. I like that. I like it. But <laughs> is it the one? It's definitely at least a trinity. But is it a neo? The D sixth sense. <laughs> the D sixth sense is good, except that D six don't feature anywhere <laughs> in the game. That is very very true. <laughs> Paranormal activity. Can we do something on that? Like paranormal RPG? Mm. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a bit cheap. It's mm, cheap, it's right. Tom. 
Or is, is there some pun on haunting? How about regretroplasm? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, you know. You sure you don't like regrectoplasm? Because I quite like regret. Uh, it, it, I, I'm, it doesn't quite strike high enough for me, unfortunately. Okay, okay. How about back to your like dying afraid of no ghosts? How about like what are you gonna roll? <laughs> <laughs> How about dying afraid of no ghosts? Call on what you're gonna roll. <laughs> I actually, I'm actually, I've got to say, I'm coming back round to dying, dying afraid of no ghosts. Should we go with Diet and Afraid of No Ghost? I feel like that's the best we've had. There's definitely some better ones out there, but I think that's the best we've got now. We should just roll with it. All right, Tom, let me set the scene for you. Before you introduce us to your ghost and your specific abilities, let me give you like your ghostly mission. Okay. Your target is Reginald Q. Pennyworth. Ooh. Uh, he is a billionaire who has made his fortune in the frozen foods industry. In this parallel universe, like Captain Birdside, never heard of him. It's all about <laughs> Reginald Q. Pennyworth. And the big issue is he's always keen to make, you know, a quick bag and increase his wealth. He is using his fortune and power and influence in, in both government and, you know, all these other forms to be able to pass a law allowing himself to instantly claim for free... All unhomed puppies and kittens in rescue homes or pet shops. Oh, God! And use them as meat for his chicken-style nuggets. Oh, God! You need to convince him not to make chicken nuggets out of puppies and kittens. Why puppies and kittens? There's got to be more efficient, efficient foodstuffs for him to use. Basically, any any animal and any animals that aren't able to find a home. So probably rats as well. Probably some uh, budgery, but budgery guards. Shit. Some bunny rabbits. You know, just all these classic pet shop staples. Definitely hamsters. There's a lot of hamsters that he's just going <laughs> to... I think just deep fry as they are. Oh, God. And you need to convince him to not do this. <laughs> okay. You need to convince him to only abuse and create products out of badly treated chickens instead yeah. of other animals that people seem to have agreed are okay to not yeah. eat. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've all agreed as humanity at large that, that chickens deserve everything they get. Yes. Uh, worst, <laughs> worst animal. We all had a, cent a referendum. We all agree. We're all deciding which animal we're all going to eat going forward. <laughs> yeah, and all treat those, like... Chicken, all those in favour say aye, aye. All those against say nay. <laughs> <laughs> Motion passes. <laughs> the eyes have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, introduce us to your ghost, Tom. Okay, so I'm actually a returning uh, spectral character from from Head to Table's litany of characters. Ooh. I am the 18th century inventor and scientist Anders Celsius. Oh, um, yeah! Fresh off inhabiting a, an easy-bake oven uh, and trying to mislead a young child, uh, I've now turned my, my, my gaze to uh, attempting to 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 find my way perhaps into the afterlife by correcting uh, the mistakes of those that came after me. Uh, in particular, this this Reginald Q Pennyworth who uh, has abused the the powers I I, I gave him of understanding temperature um, <laughs> and being able to refrigerate products. <laughs> oh, I see. That's uh, a very to, good yeah to to such evil ends. Um, and my powers are. 
This is my least specific one, mm-hmm. uh, is the ability to adjust room temperature. Okay. Uh, makes sense. As I'll give you that Celsius. one, yeah. Uh, my next one is uh, my love uh, and proficiency with 18th century wigs. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the, you know, the powdered wig style. Yeah. <laughs> Just in general, a love of those kind of wigs. Uh, and the final one, as a uh, as a proud Swede, uh, is my love of pickled herring. Marvellous. Those are three very good ones. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very well, then. So I think we set the scene where you very first encounter Reginald Q. Pennyworth is, you know, in, in his bed, uh, this ginormous super king-sized four-poster bed in his little pyjamas. The pyjamas are actually made out of $100 bills that have been, like, delicately oh, wow. sewn together. And he's uh, snoring away happily. So I think I think I just uh, uh, do the standard kind of like, ooh, he's like, ooh. Who's there? <laughs> well, you're not going to believe this, but it's me. <laughs> famous, famous 18th century scientist. I'm Are you all right, Tom? You seem to. <laughs> He's like, oh yes, I thought I thought it was you. <laughs> really? That's that's the first time I've had that reaction ever in the entirety of my undead. Well, most people are just like kind of semi-aware that a Celsius degree temperature scale exists, but what what do you want with me, Ghost of Anisocius? <laughs> well, Reginald Q. Pennyworth, you have been abusing the gift I have given you. The power to understand and control temperature. Poppycock, I've been using it to feed the nation. Nay, Pennyworth, you have been blinded by the allure of money. Temptations have led you down a dark path. I am here to show you the error of your ways, so you do not end up like me, cursed to spend a hundred years attached to children's toys in ghostly form. (laughs) I think with that, Tom, do you want to paint me your very first scene? Okay, so I think I will start with past, and I'm going to go for compassion. Okay. Uh, And I think my, my best bet here is to go for a fond scene of him uh, on one Christmas day as a young child, uh, opening a, a, a present, a large box, uh, and out of it leaping a, a happy little puppy uh, that, that licks his face uh, and um, uh, and played with him in his delight at, uh, at, uh, at, at sort of having this... Uh, uh, this pet being given a pet being given a puppy for christmas marvelous okay so one by one let's go through the roles for setting up this scene and building it and i'll describe based on what you roll sort of <laughs> how exactly it forms okay uh so the location uh, on this this thing is going to be an attempt uh at his 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 sort of favorite childhood family home uh, a cozy scene at christmas mm-hmm, a uh, roaring fire snow hmm. outside hmm. i rolled a two <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) You accidentally load into like essentially like a blank white cube. (laughs) And I think like there's like a crayon drawing of like a Christmas tree on like the wall of one of the cubes. Ringing any bells, Pennyworth? 
I say, as I, as I bring him to the scene, a proud look upon my face. As I point uh, at the the crayon the crayon scene, <laughs> um, I think I uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll move into to, to people uh, appearance. So okay, I think the real aim here, and I say it's people, but I guess it's actors in the scene, right? Yeah. The real aim is to get the joy of the puppy across, but I also want the 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 pride of his parents that sort of giving such a good gift and, and yeah. you know their their delight at sort of sharing it with him. Okay, so you're you're recreating his parents who I think are, are you know have, have been dead for a, a good twenty mm-hmm. years now, uh, and also this puppy. So do you want to go ahead and roll for that? Absolutely. That's a lot better. That was an eighteen. That's fantastic. You create this gorgeous little honey coloured dog that's bouncing around. Like, row, row yapping little tail wagging it's the parents Huge eyes. perfect and you can see he's really sort of taken back just to see his parents again as he remembers them as so young who are just standing sort of smiling and beaming in these gorgeous christmas sweaters in this stark like portal style white cube of a room <laughs> just like the really crayony drawings on um like, mama papa and now if you could roll for their sort of the, these actors' behaviour yeah. actions for me. But they look perfect. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, and their, their actions, I guess what I'm trying to do here is have the, the puppy be like like playful, like maybe have some of the wrapping paper like caught on it in a cute and cutesy way and kind of be trying to get it off its foot or something and uh, the parents laughing and having fun and ruffling, the dad ruffling his hair, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Let's see what I get. An eight. Okay. <laughs> so they look the part, they're smiling, they're beaming, it's all great. But whenever the puppy goes to like bark cutely, instead it accidentally comes out as like like a foghorn or something. It, it's exactly that, it's just an air horn. <laughs> and when the parents go to speak, instead it's like a text to speech impersonator, like, oh boy, my child, so good to see you on this Christmas morning. And I think I'm like, I think I'm like, don't you remember this, Pennyworth? Your your fondest Christmas memory. Look at the delight of your uh, <laughs> on your face as you uh, <laughs> you open to see your young puppy Fido. I I remember getting Fido, yes, but I don't remember growing up in what appears to be a padded cell. But yes, I do remember Fido. Such a a proud boy. I. I remember, I remember this. this is the point where he, he accidentally chews through Papa's socks. And you can see, like, Fido, like, <laughs> like chewing on a sock. And the dad's going, Fido, Fido, cease your actions. Cease, cease. Uh, and I think I'm like, ah, and look, here comes your mother with the... Uh, the the pickled herrings. I say as I attempt to, I'm going to attempt to uh, to improve the the uh, people <laughs> actions. I guess. Okay then, you try cut yeah like a, a happy family seed where you're all enjoying the pickled herring. <laughs> yeah, the the traditional Christmas pickled herrings. No, <laughs> uh, I got three on my D4, so I guess that brings the eight up to an eleven. Up to an eleven. I think as as you try to convince this already very elderly man, register. <laughs> Uh, yes, maybe we did all have pickled herrings <laughs> on Christmas Day. And you can see the little puppy there is going, Aah! as he like chews down on the herring. <laughs> Mama and Papa going, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. But like, also, like, just through trying to like materialize this more, so there's a bit more life coming to their voices as well. 
Mm, mm. And the aroma of, the delicious aroma of pickled herring is, of course, <laughs> filling yeah. the room uh, uh, with this, this wonderful, wonderful smell. Um, and I think I'm like, uh, don't you remember the, the warmth of the Christmas fire and the warmth in your, in your own heart, uh, Reginald? Uh, and I guess I will I will attempt to improve the the location a bit. Although it's a mistake to do that because you know I, it might just be a foregone conclusion on the the thing. But maybe I'll give it one attempt and see if I can get it up above a five, just in case he's he's susceptible to yeah. a, to a. We've got two rolls still. You could get two fours on both as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm going to try and put this one into location. So I'm going to make the room a bit warmer and try and try and remind him of the uh, the warmth of his of his of his heart and of the day. Uh, uh, I got a three, so the two comes up to a five. So I guess if he is susceptible, that maybe is sure enough. Maybe you, good. you start to turn it up, and he's like, "I remember now the warmth of the fire at home, <laughs> the, the wonderful fuzzy feeling in my jumper, looking out at the snow." Crack! It's it's very hot, isn't it? And sure enough, like, everyone's starting to sweat quite a lot. Like, you see, it's sort of like the, the fur on the puppy starting to mat as well. And like eventually, reach the point where like Mama's jumper just seems to like catch fire suddenly, <laughs> and they start to just kind of like walk around and goes, uh, uh, yeah, uh, and re- and remember how they they patted out the Christmas fire uh, uh, that set them all aflame with their their eighteenth century wigs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course <laughs> right <laughs> right pennyworth i say i'm actually not going to give you that one I'm going to create, you add wit and instead the wigs just instantly go up in flames as well oh, I'm, God. I'm unconvinced by your appeal for more points and <laughs> i think that they go flames he's like and you can see he's like visibly distressed as he sees his, his, his pet after he hasn't seen them in 20 years. Sees them just go up in flames. Oh, God. Oh, God. Away. Well, how, how about we move We move on to t- today? T- to today. Uh, like, like, sure, like he's looking on like shocked, but he's still holding like the, the puppy Fido in his arms and stroking it as you, as you construct the next scene. Oh, God. Okay. So I've got a five and 11 and an 18. Uh, I think yep. is the, the final ones there. Um, yeah. So yeah, we move on to the present, uh, and I think the scene I will set here is is maybe he goes through like a a rapid succession. I show him Fido, uh, and I show him like Fido having having like um like like uh, uh, some puppies with a with a with a um with a, a, a sort of a female dog, and and yeah, he has the puppies, and it's a bit like um. Uh, it's a bit like uh, the Lady and the Tramp. Lots of beautiful romance scenes, and they have the puppies. They take care of the puppies for a bit, and those puppies grow up and have puppies of their own. And we go forwards in time until we get to the present. Um, and now we see like a uh, one of Fido's like grandchildren is all grown up, uh, and she she has puppies of her own uh, in this kennel. Uh, and like one of the kennel workers is turning to the other, and he's like uh, he's sort of like is explaining about how it's such a shame that no one wants to take these uh these puppies on on christmas uh on on christmas eve um, and the, how they're gonna how they're gonna have to send them to the uh the pennyworth facilities uh <laughs> uh in this in this dark moment so so that's the attempt uh and i'll see how well you know that comes out i don't want to i don't want to do the dialogue until i know whether the person can actually speak it's my it's my problem here i think what he's trying to say is something along the lines of like uh yeah like think of all you know the the happiness yeah. that these animals won't be able to bring all of the yeah. yeah yeah well roll for location first then tom okay location first 
pretty good. I got a 15. So, well, that's good enough that it's a... It's, it's, it's I think a you perfectly, yeah, recreate this, the atmosphere of this kennel. And I think it's even, like, extravagantly mm. this long corridor where there is, like, several, like, hundred of these animals. You look down this sort of ghostly fashion, yeah. this extenuation of all these animals that are about to be turned into I've maybe, nuggets. I've maybe sort of embellished it a bit. So it's exactly, like the, the, yeah. the, 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 uh, the, the cages are especially small and kind of damp and it's cold here. Uh, and, they're, they're, you know, they're crammed in many dogs to a cell and it's all very, very dark and foreboding. There's lots of long shadows being cast. Marvellous. And now we're off at appearance of uh, our actors, as it were. I suppose both some of these animals in cages, but also these, these workers themselves. Absolutely. Uh, oof, I did really well again. I got a 16 on that one. Fantastic. Oh, what, this was, what was this an appeal to again? Compassion, was it again? Um, oh, God. Yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? I've, uh, I've, I've kind of gone compassion twice here, I think. I think it's just because of my, how I was imagining I would want to appeal to him. That's fair uh, enough. Yeah, I think it's a natural way based on this story. That's okay. Okay. Sure enough, these, these dogs look very... Uh, sad you know their, their tails are hanging low they're sort of you know looking slightly emaciated and they clearly like need to be running and perhaps you know displaying some some behavior that suggests that they're not in the, in the best mental state either they're just you know longing to be able to find families instead and then and the finally people, actions yeah and now act people's actions as well okay let's see how we do with that um ugh, that's where the problems fall uh, i got a seven a uh, seven. I think the issue you have is although these dogs look great, you've accidentally like got it the wrong way around. And what's happening is the two workers in the kennel are on all fours, and one's like sniffing <laughs> the bum of the other worker and like pissing with their leg up. And all of the dogs in the cages are all like sat in like armchairs and like got like reading newspapers. Like they look the part, but my god, they're, they're, they're behaving like the people. They're walking around like one one of the little puppies has a little metal cup that he's running up and down the bars as well. Uh, yeah, and I think I'm like, uh, gaze upon the consequences your actions have wrought, Pennyworth. Look, Fido's uh, descendants themselves, forced to face the hardship of becoming one of your Pennyworth McNuggets. Like a tear rolls down his eyes, and he's like, these poor animals suffering so... And sure, if you can see there's one dog who's like a, an orange jumpsuit with like a, a chain and a large ball on the end of it, who's just like his head in his hands, and he's like, this suffering must end which is why I must turn them into nuggets. <laughs> In nugget form, no longer will they have to endure this. Thank you for showing me this, Andersonius, 18th century scientist. <laughs> oh, damn it. Um, right, how can I get actions up? Um, I think I will try to fashion very heavy wigs to bring them down onto all fours the dogs <laughs> <laughs> like so they're just like they're kind of forced to look up with poppy dog eyes because they literally can't lift their heads below the weights of these massive wigs very nice you can have your extra d4 <laughs> perfect um i got two so that's seven to nine seven I to guess. nine and sure enough, these, these giant wigs materialise on the backs of these puppies. <laughs> it pulls them down. and it, it just makes them look a lot more cute. Like the idea, oh, he's got a giant human size. And his little eyes are poking out under the wig. Like, and it, what you're doing is actually the, the behaviour of these dogs changes from this very sort of solemn inmate style approach and again like they look happy again like the tails are wagging they're happy and instead he realizes like oh god no like these still are like happy like living animals that <laughs> just, just want to bound about and just want to want to help people 
and, and, and play with them. Realising that that's what's going on in his mind, I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, look, what's this? Hark! And I'll point down the, the long corridor. Uh, one, of the, like a, one of the workers is coming down and is being like, Christmas treat for all the puppies! Uh, <laughs> I've got a bucket of pickled herrings! <laughs> Christmas treat! Donation from the yard! Um, um, and like, uh, like. <laughs> you can hear all of them, uh, like, this, you still accidentally give them a human voice and they're all like, herring! 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 Oh, cheers! Cheers, Gov! Herring! By George, it's herrings! <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, they all, they all uh, hopefully will. We'll stand up to that, I guess. So, do I get the, the D4? You happy with that? You can have the D4, yes. Yes! <laughs> nice! Oh, um, yes! I rolled a four! Very uh, nice. You're up to 13. I'm up to 13. And I think, um, sure enough, uh, Pennyworth is like, oh, herrings, just like I apparently used to enjoy <laughs> Christmas Day as a child. Yes, <laughs> like all good Swedish boys. These puppies aren't too different from from myself and a good lord man and he looks down and one of the workers is humping his leg <laughs> he's like shaking he's like oh get this filthy man off me <laughs> uh, um, can i at least cover the uh private parts of these very bestial uh humans uh <laughs> with with even bigger more bouffon 18th century wigs <laughs> You may. Yeah? Yes. To try and, like, Yes. Although is that going to go on actions or appearance, I guess, is the question. Uh, I think I think still actions. Nice. <laughs> oh, two. So that brings it up to 15. Fantastic. Up to a 15 there. Uh, sure enough, you just... just I, instead, this wig gets so big that, like, I think you just start, like, appearing wigs in that just starts to, like, cover <laughs> everything until eventually, like, it's just, like, you're, you're swimming in, like, a ball pit style of wigs as the I scene think I'm fades like a- away. I think I'm like, look what they have been reduced to, wearing only powdered wigs for clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- is this, really, is this really an accurate portrayal of the present? <laughs> well, now it is time to gaze upon your your possible future, Pennyworth, and the darkness that may lie ahead. And I think I um I think I'd like to go with fear for this final approach. Okay, you're gonna appeal to fear. And I want to go to a a, a restaurant scene, and it's gonna be a bit of a, a a hallucinatory kind of vision I'm gonna paint for him here, where he uh he he's like sat down with his friends in this kind of fine dining establishment they're all like smoking cigars and, and laughing with one another and drinking brandies uh, as their food is brought out um like uh to to eat um and and the the food is these these meat kind of burger things um but as he goes to bite into it um it, it woofs it barks this little like a <gasps> oh. like puffy like a woof in his face and as he removes his like his pulls his teeth out he sees that stuff between the the two the two uh the two bread buns is in fact fido uh bleeding and oh, emaciated God. um uh, and his friends turn and look at him with revulsion and horror as they see like this this kind of scene like unfold uh before him it's the is the aim here. Okay, well, roll for location. See how well you can capture this sort of first deceptively smart dining area. Ooh, 17. I'm rolling well. 17, very good. Sure enough, this looks like a, a fine restaurant that Pennyworth probably frequents. Indeed, indeed. Uh, people are dressed smartly and are enjoying their extravagant meals and Pennyworth feels himself settled down and, and at home is with his hands clasped around his burger. Do you want to go for the appearance 
of uh, the in- people and the actors, and I suppose Fido as well in this burger. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, that's going to have to be the bit I'm going to improve. I got a four there. A four. As it currently stands, first of all, all the people, they look very, <laughs> like, realistic at first, but then, like, as he, like, tilts his head to the side, you realise that they're all actually cardboard cutouts <laughs> in some way. Like, there's a slight degree of animation there, but they look far more, like, just all, like, slightly, you know, like, a puppeteered cardboard cutouts. And I think also, like, I don't think Anders Celsius has ever actually eaten a burger. And so, like, <laughs> the burger in his hands, like, he's like, so it's bread on either side? And there's, like, chunks of bread instead, like, far too big. It's obviously not going to make for a very good burger. It's, like, very bizarre in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, okay, and then I guess finally the actions. How does Fido respond to being bitten? Exactly. And the revulsion of the, his peers. Uh, not, well, nine. We'll see. Nine. So I think what happens is, Sure, he, he bites into this burger through these like hard chunks. Um, and he sort of chews and he sort of looks in between the bits of bread. And there, again, the appearance was so low. So essentially, it's just like this bizarre sort of like <laughs> pink squirming mass with the bits of fluff on it that's like, Master! <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, and how I'm going to interpret the actions as well is he's like, Fido? Is that. Oh my god, that's delicious. Mm. And you've accidentally <laughs> made the meat incredibly tasty to Pennyworth. Mm. Oh no. Oh god. So I guess that's I guess that's under appearance is the is the kind of like the flavour, right? So I think what I'll try and switch then is like remem- remembering back to my own um to my own my own childhood as uh under Celsius before the powers of refrigeration i remember like the the flavor of turned of gone off pickled herring and just how <laughs> horrendous it was uh, and i'd like to try and superimpose that flavor as being an aftertaste so he takes the first bite he's like, mm, that's delicious and then as he like he like swallows he's like wait a second no he tastes the um, guilt exactly behind this action i love it great metaphor as well roll for it you okay. get those points Three, so up to seven on the appearance. Up um, to seven, and sure enough, he's like, oh. <coughs> I'm like, what's he's like starting what's to wrong, wrench. Pennyworth? Uh, choking on the flavour of your own puppy? Oh, oh, oh my word, that's disgusting! <laughs> Fido, looking back at the meat, he's like, what, what's, what's happening, Anders Celsius? What's happening, 18th century scientist Anders Celsius? <laughs> <laughs> this is a vision of what could be a vision of how low your actions will bring you uh, and i think i'd like to try and uh raise the uh raise the ambient room temperature and kind of slowly change the 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 vision into to sort of more of a, a hell-like scene through the the temperature and have the people maybe become kind of de- demonic kind of figures that are like like now taunting him so this oh, is a vision of like yes. of him actually being in hell like this is one of his torments i like it you're upping the temperature through. yeah be like just things take flame i like it okay you so it's appearance again i think i'm going yep. on here you can have that um, uh good four so that's up to 11 up to 11 so sure enough quickly he starts to sweat and i think uh his clothes are dripping wet he's sort of panicked and looking about his breathing is getting uh very agitated the walls start to peel the, the wallpaper comes like sliding off and you see there's just like brimstone underneath as these people start to cackle and point and jeer at him and he just goes <laughs> and there's like a, a quiet moment and he just goes ah! 
<laughs> He's running over, shaking people by the shoulders. Whoa, like, whoa, this whoa, can't whoa! Be real. This can't be real. <laughs> <laughs> he clutches his chest as he starts to to fall back. <laughs> oh, okay. Bloody hell! <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I've got one more, I've got one more action to take. Like, calm down. You save need to, me, you need Celsius. to see this. Save me from this fate. Only you can save yourself, Pennyworth. And I, and I'll have the final thing. I'm gonna try and make an action here to have these 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 figures uh, start marching forwards and take him under the arm. These demonic figures and lead him forwards, essentially into a courtroom where everyone is wearing 18th century style powdered wigs. <laughs> uh, that's a very that that's really good. I'll definitely give that Thank to you. you. Thank you. Uh, and I uh, like, like you see the judge on high being like, um, uh, Reginald Q. Pennyworth, you are wanted for trials of greed. Um, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's just a continual scream. <laughs> Someone silence the accused. Ah! Uh, and I'll roll to see how the actions go. Uh, well, I only got another one, but that does bring actions up to ten. That so does bring it up to maybe, ten. Maybe it'll be enough. I should have the hammer falls over. Guilty, guilty, guilty! And suddenly Pennyworth just wakes up in his bed on like the night of sort of the, the unveiling of the new plan. Sweaty. Oh, 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 goodness. It was a dream. It, it, was, it was all a dream. Oh. And I think he looks over the side and just sees like, a lone yeah. wig on the on the bedside table. He's like, oh. and like an, my echo in the in the in the sort of like wind as it's uh it's kind of going. It's like, change your ways, Pennyworth. Don't be like me. And I think we cut to uh, the 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 grand speech, the unveiling. That's you know, it's a a, a public uh, investors meeting essentially, where a lot of you know, there's a lot of media here and people as well in, involved in the industry. And there's a big sort of curtained display that's off that Pennyworth's going to sort of unveil dramatically at a certain point. And he gets up very nervously and starts giving his speech talking about how this is a, a b- b- brave new frontier in the world of, of frozen goods. I, I've i been thinking a lot recently and you can roll your D10, Tom, and I'll tell you now that you have a plus seven. Ooh, nice. You can add to this. So you roll a D7 and you have to get ten or higher. Okay. You need to roll... Anything other than a one or two, basically, right? Yeah. You're not going to believe this, but I got a one. <laughs> <laughs> I think Anders Celsius is in the back of the room, kind of invisible to everyone else. And he's like, yes, yes, go on. And it's sure enough, You've like, got it, lad. The, the dramatic music starts as if like, this is the bit in the film where everything like amazing is meant to happen. He goes, I've been thinking a lot about the times I spent as a young boy <laughs> with my Fido. <laughs> My sweet puppy. And I miss him so. And I miss the love he brings. And I think it's terrible that people may never know the joy that these animals could bring them. And you can see Celsius is like nodding. He goes, so that's why I make it my mission to ensure that these animals can bring pleasure to all. With new Fido nuggets, and he pulls, <laughs> he pulls the curtain, and it comes with like the big logo of like a big like chicken nugget with a dog's face on the end, like smiling. Lambie goes, "Yes, that's like the cameras are clicking and showing all that." That's right. No. 
We can no. take these animals and let their lives not be in vain and let their, their, their bring joy to everyone in the tummies of our young, of young and old. Why not? <laughs> I think that I think the kind of dialogue starts fading out, like kind of in in the distance. And it's like Anders, you can sort of like Anders Elsie, you can sort of see it's like the the sound is kind of echoing out. It's becoming further and further away. And I'm like, no, no, please, no, no, not again, not again, <laughs> no, no. And behind me, I can just see like uh, this 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 tunnel is opening up, uh, and this easy bake oven, this massive easy bake <laughs> oven, the size of like you know a several story building. Its front is yawning open with this like this grim kind of like. And like I, the, the 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 front opens up, I just get drawn in, uh, and uh, and once again, and Celsius is drawn uh, soul back into the uh, to inhabit uh, another another child's toys for yet another handful of decades before he gets yet another chance uh, to to redeem himself. Fantastic. Well, Tom, I'm sorry to say that you failed this game <laughs> well, of Die Ain't Afraid of No Ghost. <laughs> Turns out, indeed, Pennyworth was not afraid of no ghost. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a, a lot of fun. Thank you for running that, Tom. That I, was really good. You're welcome. So what did you think of the game, though, Tom? Uh, I really enjoyed it. The only thing I can think is it would make sense to maybe have like a little bit more structure about when to... Uh, like when to interact um, in terms of yeah, like kind of what the, the, what the changes mean um, in the like once you're you're sort of in the scene and you're trying to make it maneuver it a certain way but I still think it was I still think it was really fun I agree it was a lot of fun I, I do feel that maybe we missed some of the potential that there is using like ghostly powers and I think that's just down to you know in the time we have to sort of create the games how many mechanics can we include I feel like there's there's probably a few things we should sort of unpick and try again in different ways. Like, I, I wonder if, if, like you say, I wonder how you felt as a player. I'm worried that players might feel like, other than sort of setting up the stage and dictating the scene, whether they have enough control. The funny thing is, like, me as a player, I liked it because I really like trying to come up with a way to make my, my three specialities relevant. Work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, relevant as, as sort of the scene progressed. And I think, like, just at the very end there, I was getting into the swing of it because it felt like more of a dynamic scene. It started off with this restaurant thing, then it became hell, then it became, like, this, yeah. this courtroom, and, like, I was, I was sort of adapting it. And I think, I think in hindsight, it would have been better to do all of the scenes like that. Um but I, I think I think I enjoyed it, and I imagine other people would too. Um, but it is it is an unusual role playing game in that you're. I think it kind of is a very one v one thing, and it's just a, like a notion of like, can you convert one person over three scenes? And it's like a, a 15, 20 minute game, and it's sort of quite a short, fun thing. Yeah. But I think it works. I think it works really well. For that. I think it's quite. I think it can be quite funny to come up with you to come up with a ghost and like why you've ended up a ghost. Uh, and there's someone else to, you know, your your GM to come up with a, a character and their uh, I agree. Their, it's, it's definitely sins. We've played around it before in ways that, you know, um, character players, specific characters they're playing, how that can like add narrative interest to the game. And I think this works quite well. I like how we've done that with the abilities. But yeah, I think I would like to work a bit harder if we were to return to the the the, uh, the drawing board on this one a bit more in exactly yeah how some of those interactions should work more specifically i think there's some fine should be doing that regards to make it yeah more clear perhaps uh structure in it but the theme of it i think was very good fun marvelous well thank you so much for playing it tom and thank you for creating this marvelous game with me indeed and thank you everyone for listening to another episode of head to table uh, yet another game design done 
and uh, out there for you to to play if you like. Uh, if you like what you heard, perhaps you could leave us a review on iTunes. Always super appreciated uh, and very helpful. Uh, or just reach out on Twitter. It's always really nice to interact with people uh, there and see what they've made of our games and uh, various topics that we've discussed. Indeed. And thank you, of course, to the band Call Me Malcolm. They let us use their music on the intro, outro and the middle shows. Cheers for that, guys. Thanks, fellas. Uh, and we will see you all next week when we will be back with yet another RPG to design and more fun to be had. See you then. Bye!